welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Let's pray. What a sincere prayer. I want more of you, God. Less of me. I must decrease so that you might increase. God, there are so many people that came in here today in so many different places on our spiritual journey. And some of us may not even be at the place where we can say we want less of ourselves. In many ways, we're still trying to figure out who you are. And then there might be others, Father, who have come here today who don't just need another explanation of Jesus. They need to encounter you. They need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. They need to be able to see you for the first time, not just words, but they need an experience, an encounter. And so for that to happen, there's got to be something more than men speaking to men. We need something more than a speech or an expiring word. We need the God of heaven and earth to touch our lives. And so God, first I ask that you fall fresh on me so that my mind would be just fixed on the audience of one. And then God, in this room, God, would you just stir the hearts of those who are wanting you but are afraid, who may be afraid to take that step forward of faith and for others who know you but want to know you more, God, would you just give them a fresh touch from you? God, would you just do your thing in this place, God? And let us enjoy you, God. Let us enjoy you, God. You are Abba Father. You are a Father that wants to be with us. Let us learn to enjoy you, God. And so many of us, we are orientated to a, a God of rules. And we don't understand the God of relationship who would send his precious son to die so that we might know you more. And so God, right now, I just pray and I ask that you would just speak to us and take us from wherever we are closer to you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen? Amen, good to see everybody today. So encouraging to be here, just to be able to worship and enjoy God together. Um, this week, we are continuing on in our series called Spirit, and it's really dealing with the nature of the Holy Spirit. You know, many of you here today, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, many of you would clarify or classify yourselves as spiritual people. When I go all over the world, people tell me that they are spiritual, and when I think of what it means to be spiritual, I think people are basically saying that there is something more to this world that there is a transcendent being that I can connect with somehow, and that if this was a stage that life was happening on, there is someone behind the scenes pulling the levers, and that there must be some director to this world. And so many people will say that there is something more. And yet, even though we believe that there is a transcendent God that is out there doing work, the Christian believes that there is an imminent nature to God that God is one God, he is God the Father, and he is God the Son who walked on this earth, but then there is God the Spirit who now indwells everyone who would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God is not just far off, but he's close. 
He's imminent and he can be connected with. And so spirituality is not just a belief in something far off, it's a belief in something close. And it is amazing, we talked last week about the Holy Spirit living inside the believer and one of the things that we're gonna look at this week is that when a believer starts operating in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, things change. I mean, cities change, they change, things can't stay the same way when someone starts operating in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's all throughout the Old and the New Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, it's amazing. There was a guy named Joseph and he rose to power and he was the leader of Egypt. And in Genesis, it said that the Spirit of God came upon him to lead Egypt. Uh, there was a guy named Joshua and he was about to lead a battle. And the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him to lead out in battle. And you look in the book of Judges, there was a guy named Gideon. He was getting ready to fight in the battle and the Spirit of God came on him. Gideon, uh, 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 Gideon came down and there was Samson. Samson was about to fight a lion and the Spirit of God came on him to fight a lion. You look throughout all the prophets and the Spirit of God came on them to speak and lead. And you look at the kings and they, they strategize by the power of the Holy Spirit. One time in Exodus, the Spirit of God came upon a man so that he might build his craftsmanship. So it's amazing when we look in the Bible, the Spirit of God comes upon people to do all these incredible and powerful things. And then if you look in the New Testament, it just gets crazier. I mean, the Spirit of God is how Mary conceived Jesus. But, so the Spirit of God brought life, but the Spirit of God is how Jesus rose from the dead. And so not only did the Spirit bring life, but he also raised a man from the dead. Now, that same Spirit that it has that incredible resume lives inside of the believer. And so you might ask yourself, why doesn't every believer live that way? Why don't we see this? I mean, you've seen that, right? I mean, you've prayed with somebody, and when they pray, you're like, mm, something. If I was God, I'd answer that prayer. Good Lord. That's, whew, they praying over there. I mean, it, you know, there's people that when they pray, that you feel an impact, don't you? There's certain people that when you hear them pray, there's a difference. There's certain people that when they go through trials, there's a spiritual assurance that they have that you're like, wow, that's different. That's special. There, there's people that when they speak and communicate and impart wisdom and exhort, it's not just like they're talking, but there's something powerful happening. What's happening is these people don't have something special. They're just operating by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, you feel a difference. You see a difference and things can't remain the same. Now we're gonna talk more about this, but I wanna encourage you in this. When we look in the Bible, and I talked about all those things, you hear me say Gideon, and you hear me talk about Samson, and you think, oh yeah, because they were like these spiritual juggernauts. Let me just tell you this. When the Holy Spirit came upon people in the New Testament, these were very ordinary people who just operated by the power of God. Very ordinary people. When you look and you see that, you think, ah, oh, but not me. But I'm telling you, John 15 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, so if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. The, the imagery of a, of a tree bearing fruit. He says, if you would make your humble abode. Anybody ever tell you that? Make, welcome to my humble abode, my house, my home. If you will start operating in the spirit of God consistently, he will start working through you. And most of it isn't because you've done something different. You just started operating in the atmosphere of the spirit, the dependence on the spirit, real dependence on the spirit. And then you just start doing things you can't normally do. 
<laughs> my, uh, my daughters, you know, we, we're broke, so we go to hotels for vacations. That's what you do when you ain't got no money. You're like, we're going to, you know, uh, La Quinta this week. <laughs> and they five and six, so they don't know no better. They're like, oh my gosh, we're like, yes, we're great parents. <laughs> you know, they don't understand Disney World yet. So um, we'll go to a hotel, and the, the, the best time of a hotel is going to the pool. And so we'll go down to the pool and we'll go in there and, and then daddy gets in the water with the girls and we start, they got their floaties and stuff. So they think I'm amazing because I don't have floaties on, right? So I'm going in there and then one time, you know, I was with my daughters and I, I was like, hey, let me show you something. And I do a handstand and I'm like, yeah, and I'm walking around and I get up, I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh my God, that is amazing. And, the, you know, they're blown away by me, you know. So we're walking back to the, uh, the room and my daughter Leah was like, hey, daddy, do that handstand again. <laughs> and I was like, no, see, what happened is it wasn't me, it was the atmosphere I was in. You see, it wasn't, baby, I can't do a hand, this brother can't do, I cannot stand on my hands. But when I'm there, I can. And they were like, oh, and, and so they started wanting to do it too. You see, you, you have to, when I'm in this world, I operate by the laws of gravity, but, but water defies the law of gravity. And see, many of us have been operating by the law of our past. Or we've been operating by the law of what people told us about ourselves. But when you start operating by the law of the Spirit, and that means that the Spirit has explosive power, explosive power available to you. When you start operating by that power, people will see things that you do and be amazed. This is, what I'm this, is what I'm, this is what I'm telling you. And I'm not just saying this to say to you, wow, just start living right. I'm saying start becoming more dependent on him. I'm not talking about morality. I'm talking about submission. I'm talking about surrendering your life to him. I'm talking about I can't talk without you. I can't walk without you. I need you. And there's an urgency you have to move and live with him. And so that's what you see, people who made an impact. And I wonder if you want to make an impact in this world. If you want to see a difference in this world, well, the Holy Spirit lives inside you to make an impact in this world. We see in the book of Acts chapter 1, there is this incredible picture of how the Spirit of God came down and indwelled believers. Jesus had just uh, risen from the dead, and, and while he was there, the believers are just amazed at how Jesus was able to rise from the dead, and he was walking along with the believers. But then Jesus says something in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. If you have your Bibles, please go there, but if you have your phones, you can go to your app, and if you don't have any of those things, you can look up on the screen. It says in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So one key point to bring out there is that the Lord said, wait. So I don't want you to leave Jerusalem before you get the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't want you to start doing things representing me. I don't want you to be involved in ministry without you being, and the word baptized there essentially means transformed or clothed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't want you to start doing things like me without my power. Don't, don't try it. You wait. And, you, and he didn't even give him an ETA. He said, just wait. And I, he didn't even tell him how long. So it shows you how important the Lord believed the Holy Spirit 
was to the life of the believer. And so he goes on in Acts chapter 1-8, and uh, the scripture reads in Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, what does that say? You will receive what? Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he doesn't say you're going to go out witnessing and talking to people. He says you're going to be a witness. He says you as an individual will be transformed and changed by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens inside the believer. And then he goes on to say that when the Spirit of God comes in your life, this is what's going to happen. Then go to Jerusalem. And while you're in Jerusalem, the Spirit of God is going to start doing things in your life and in the life of that city, and this is what's going to happen, because the Spirit of God cannot be contained in one place. Now things are going to happen in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the Spirit of God enters into a man's life, not only are they transformed, the place is transformed. Things cannot stay the same, and there's a movement that begins. And that movement starts in Jerusalem, and it goes to Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that's actually how the book of Acts plays out, that there is this incredible movement that happens. And you say to me, well, you know, we got a pretty cool church, don't we? We like a church. I like going to church. You know, I didn't always like going to church. I like going to this church. I like going to church. I like the music. I like the preacher. He's a cool guy. But I like, I like all those things, right? But we won't transform this city because we have a cool church. It's not going to be from a preacher, and I don't care about eloquence or hum any of those things. That's not going to be it. They can sing till we cry and fall and roll on the ground. We will not transform this city because we have great gifts. We will see this transformed city when each one of us start operating in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen, James. That is the truth. When each one of us individually start operating in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, these people came together. It was just a few of them, but the Holy Spirit started defining the way they lived and the cities could not stay the same way. And I'm saying, I, I am talking to us, y'all, me and you. We can have a global impact, not from great music and great preaching, but people living by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I believe it is my stewardship as the pastor of this flock to help you live, not with just more Bible insight, not with great experiences, but that you would live daily submitted and surrendered to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what God can do with you. You know, sometimes people say, you know, pastor, I'm leaving. I got to go to another place. I'm like, awesome. You can bring what God is doing in your life to another place. Because when the spirit of God comes in your life, you begin to move. He begins to move on you. He begins to change you. So yes, that says Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And we are in downtown Brooklyn. And next year, we're planning a campus in Flatbush, Brooklyn. And who knows what God can do through us? It could be downtown Brooklyn and Flatbush, and we could do something in Canarsie, and then we could do something in London, and we can do something in Uganda. I'm, I'm saying that when the Spirit of God gets a hold of a people, there should be a global impact. And we should not be afraid to say that because that is what Jesus said. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the world will not be the same. And I'm not talking about just them. These people are messed up. These are not just ordinary, they are jacked up. <laughs> when you look at Peter, 
Peter. So, you know, you, you just got to read this stuff. Peter said, yo, Jesus, in the big moment, I'm going to be there. Not only was he not there when Jesus was being persecuted, he pretended not even to not even know him. He acted like he didn't even know who Jesus was. And a little girl intimidated him. I'm saying the leader of this movement was scared by a little girl, but then when you look in the book of Acts, he's preaching and thousands of people are getting saved. It's not because these people were gifted, it was because they were submitted. It's because they were submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, it, it, it is not something different in these people. The same person that was in them is in you, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> so uh, the, 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 the city can't be the same, the world can't be the same when we start operating in his presence and power. I wanna, I wanna tell you how that works, but I just wanna show you some more effects, some things that you can begin to expect in your life some things that you begin to look for in your life when you start walking in his power and his presence. I want you to start looking for some things. Here's one of the first things that God begins to change. He begins to change the way you talk, your speech. Okay, <laughs> um, and you know, it's a great verse uh, in 1 Corinthians. It's actually a verse I meditate on anytime I preach. Let me read this for you in 1 Corinthians chapter two. It goes this way, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, one thing that's clear there is Paul, the author here, is not saying, people started to see how smart I was, and they saw how well I studied, and then they started changing. He's saying the very opposite of that. He's saying, I, when I communicate, I do not rest on my wisdom or my skill in speech. What I do is I rest, I trust that the, there's gonna be a demonstration from the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he believes that things will change and people will change because the Spirit of God shows up. You know, when I first started preaching back in uh, about 2006, when I preached my first, uh, I was pastoring a church and I was speaking at different places. And I remember I would study so hard. I knew every word in the Greek and every word in the Hebrew and I would manuscript my stuff and I would write. And I mean, I just, I worked so hard. And, and you know, I was a speech communications major. So I, I, I presumably know how to talk, you know what I'm saying? So I, I think I can talk and I think I can study. I, I'd been to seminary and, and you know, I was always the class clown. So I think I'm funny. And so I got all these things working for me, you know, my personality. And so here I go and I'm preaching and preaching and preaching, and by God's grace, he put me in a position where people were unimpressed, <laughs> totally unimpressed. I would preach, and I would have something profound. I knew it was profound. I was like, I'm dropping dimes up in here, and no one was responding. I would have like humorous stuff. I would write out and think it through, and, and no one would shift. Nothing would move, and I would be like, man, what's, what's going on? And by God's grace, he was teaching me not to depend on the, on the presence of people. He was teaching me not to try to create some kind of like cult that's into me. And what he was doing was he was weaning me off of the nature that we all have to people please. And he was starting to teach me how to operate in the audience of one. And so there came a point where I was like, either I'm gonna quit or I'm gonna keep preaching. And when I preach, I just have to assume that he's doing something. I can't look to people to respond. 
And so I just, you know, I just started preaching and preaching and preaching. And I just, I mean, there came a point where somebody was like, brother, you look possessed up there. <laughs> I was like, I don't care what they say. It's about Jesus, you know, and I'm just so focused. And, uh, but he was weaning me off because I love people. I, lo I love making people laugh. I, I'm still the kid in the lunchroom. I'm still that kid. I still, I love to make people smile. I love it when people say, you're so smart. I love that. And in many ways, I love that a little bit more than the message. And so what God did was he weaned me off of that. And so over time, I began to realize that there is so much more of an impact that can happen when God's spirit begins to speak and move. It is so much more impactful. You ever watch a movie and they have that background music? And you know, as the movie's happening, it's setting the mood and setting a tone. And so if it's a, if it's a, you know, if a romantic scene, that, that, that violin comes in and you're just like, oh my gosh, and you start to cry and there's something that changes. I started realizing that when I begin to depend more on the Holy Spirit, he, he starts to make a mood. He starts to make a feeling and a vibe. So much so that when I'm preaching, people hear me. But I mean, so many times people have said, man, when you said this, God was saying this. When you were talking, God, you know, and I've had some people say, do you know my business? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with you. It's not me. God was speaking to you. God set you up. And listen, God customized my words for your situation. He, he said, he, I did, I don't know you. I don't know what's going on with you, but I know someone that knows everything about you. And I depend on him when I speak now, but that's not just for preaching. That's whenever we share Christ for anyone that wants to talk about God, God can use you to have a dynamic impact because of his power and his presence. I was, um, I was actually in a uh, church one time and we were having a, a prayer meeting. And so we were in the basement and we were praying and we were just asking God to do great things in the city. We were in Atlanta. And so we come up out of the church and while I was out of the church, um, there was a girl in the front smoking a cigarette in the front of the church. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And she was actually <clears throat> sitting down on the door. She was down, crouched down and she had the cigarette and she looked real disheveled. And everybody had walked past her and I said, um, hey, what's, what's going on? And, and she said, oh, can I not be here? I said, no, chill, I don't, no biggie, just, just hang out. And so we started talking a little bit more. And I said, where are you from? And so she started to tell me where she was from and she told me she ran track in college and all these different things about her. And then she started telling me a little bit about how she's had challenges in trying to find a job there in the city. And so with no prior knowledge, I just said, man, um, Sounds like you need a friend here in the city. And the minute I said the word friend, her eyes began to well up and she just busted out in tears. And she said, how, how did you know? And I said, well, it just sounds like you're lonely. And she said, you know, I'm having issues with my roommate and my mother, she just, she has just been rejecting me and I don't have anywhere to go. And I'm in front of this place, and, and the, the reason why she didn't know it was a church, because it doesn't look like a church. So she was like, this is a church? She started putting out her cigarette and stuff. <laughs> and uh, I said, it's okay, it's okay. I said, I, I know this sounds crazy, but I think God sent you here for this very moment. Yeah. And I said, do you mind if I just pray for you? And she said, yeah. And so we, we prayed over her, and we began, my wife and I began to hang out with her and get to know her. And I remember she said, wow, you guys are so different. 
You know, I don't feel judged and I don't feel like you're better than me. And I remember thinking, you know, God, thank you for sending her there with that cigarette on that day. But thank you for what you did. Because all I said was, sounds like you need a friend. But God had been setting her life up for me to say those words. And so the Bible talks about one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. And I'm saying that when you talk on God's behalf, he will give an increase on your behalf. Now, and this is the other thing I wanna tell you, they're not gonna cry every time. You will not see fruit right in front of you every time. But when you are courageous enough to speak on God's behalf, he will plant a seed in their life. And it may not be, it may not grow in that very moment, but God will use it for his glory. Whenever you decide, I am not only gonna live, but I'm gonna speak on God's behalf, he will show up, particularly when you depend on his power and his presence. Now, not only does he affect your speech, but he also affects your prayer life. You know, um, I like to say that I, 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 um, I can talk, like I said, I, I, you know, I like to talk and stuff. And, and you know, when I pray, I like to put my words together. And I remember growing up, we would have these deacons. You know, we had deacons growing up that they could just, there was that one deacon that was just so eloquent and just powerful. And so I thought when you pray, you know, you had to talk to God like he was just thoueth and arteth and theeth and weeth and youeth. And you know, the scripture in Romans 8 brings me so much clarity. The scripture reads this way in Romans 8 verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That should give you confidence today when you pray. That should encourage your heart. Because particularly when you've been around those people who have been Christians longer than you, or they, they, have the, or they can talk and you hear them pray, and you're just like, I can't pray like they can. The Bible says intercession is when anyone would pray on your behalf. The Bible says the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, actually when you pray, begins to pray with you. And he is connecting with you emotionally. Because this imagery that he gives is that he gives these groanings, two deep four words. You know, when I was in uh, high school, I would always like to play the dozens. You know, you, you tell jokes. And I always made sure my, my best friends were around because they would always laugh. They'd be my hype men. You know, make sure that if I, even if I sound stupid, laugh and just be my boy right there. You know, and they're just right there with you. And you, if you ever had somebody, when you talk, they're already with you like, mm. you know, they give that, they give that, you know, that emotional deal. Like, I feel you. I'm right there with you, you know. And the, and the Bible, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> the, Bible, the Bible says that when you pray, the Holy Spirit feels you. He feels you when you pray. He feels what you are feeling. Deeper than what you can articulate, he feels what you feel. Sometimes with my, my daughters, when they cry or when they were really young and cry and couldn't put their words together, I would, I would just be, I didn't know exactly what was going on with them, but I felt their pain and I was connecting with them and I would tell mom, mom, let's get this or let's get that. You know, it looks like they need to go outside or they need to do something else, but I would be connecting with them emotionally. And the Spirit of God, he groans and connects with us in a very powerful and deep, deep way. 
And so we can be encouraged. You know, there was an incredible picture in 1 Samuel of a woman who wanted to have a baby. And she began to pray to God. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that while she began to pray, her lips were moving, but no words were coming out. It was powerful. And this guy Eli came over and saw her. And so when you look at that picture in 1 Samuel 1, she is not even able to articulate the words. But God ended up hearing that prayer, and God ended up giving her a, a baby. You know, um, it's powerful. Don't get caught up in how you sound when you pray. Really don't, don't, don't let that stop you. Don't think you have to be very knowledgeable or very, you know, you, you've had a long history in the Christian life. What God is looking at is your heart. And he's looking at that, that, that unique place with him where you can be intimate with him. And so, you know, when I, when I first got saved, because I, because I was, you know, I like to talk, I would get up and they'd ask me to pray. And so, I mean, I'd, I would put all this stuff together and I sound crazy, you know, and, and somebody told me, somebody was like, you know, you, you sound like you're new, you know, to this stuff. Don't, you don't, don't try so hard. And so this is what I want to encourage you with. God, God, God can make sense out of a confused prayer. Well, you're just like, baby Jesus, we love you. <laughs> you're all over the place. You don't know what to say. You know, sometimes when I'm, when I'm uh, praying, sometimes when I'm praying, listen now, listen, listen. Sometimes when I'm praying for my daughters as they've been in school, I don't know what to pray. So I'll be on my knees and I'll just say faith, 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 God. You know, when I'm, when I'm thinking about some of my leaders, I'll just say, Liz, Liz, God, Liz. You know, when I'm thinking about people far off, friends, I'll say, Jua, Jua, Jua. And the crazy thing is sometimes when you can pray, you can just lift up your hand and say, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And you can come to him in that very intimate place where God begins to hear you. And he is not looking for your words. And some of you right now, you need an increase in your prayer life, but I'm not talking about more words. Talking about getting to a very honest and raw place with God. Yeah. How important is prayer that the third person of the Trinity, part of his job description is to pray for you and with you? How important must prayer be? And so God's spirit comes and he makes himself available to pray. Well, one last thing, and I think this is probably the, the crux of operating by the presence and the power of the Spirit. When you live by his presence and power, he transforms your confidence. <laughs> you know, um, confidence is the thing we love in New York City, don't we? We love to find confident people. You know, as somebody who has a master's degree in, in, in theology, I hear people talk about God all the time. They're confident. Strong and wrong, too, boy. They just sound all over the place. 
You ever hear somebody talk and they don't make no sense, but people are like amen in them and you're just like, what? That doesn't. We love confidence and confidence tends to come from having more, more knowledge, more beauty, more networks, more money, more muscles. Your confidence comes because you have more than everybody else. But what's crazy is that for the Christian, we don't get confidence because we've acquired more. Our confidence comes from surrender, not acquisition. It's because we are surrendering our life more to him. And so when we sing songs like, less of me, more of you, we are gaining our confidence in him and not in ourselves. I wonder, what gives you your confidence today? What gives you that certainty that what you want to work out will work out? When you lay your head out down at night and you say, this will work out, why is it working out? What gives you that confidence? The word confidence has a Latin root, confide, it means with faith. What do you put in your faith in? What are you actually trusting in like, oh, I know that'll come through? Because many of us, it's our network. You know, I met, you know, I met that person and they know that person and because they know that person, it's gonna work out. Come on, Come on. Or we've had great training. We're trained with the best and that, you know, because I, you know, I got this background, I had this degree and you know, because you know, that's, it's, you know, everybody that gets, the, out of the, gets trained there gets the best job, so you know, it's just the way it works. And so our confidence comes from all these different things. And uh, Paul the Apostle one time talked about how he would not put confidence in the flesh. He would, and what he was saying was, I, even though I'm going to work hard, try hard, I'm going to try to get networks, I will not put my confidence in myself. That's not where I'm going to place my trust. I'm going to put my confidence in my God. And when you start operating by his presence and his power, he transforms your confidence. Now let me say this, it is great, it is a good thing. It is, you know, when, you, when some people hear this, they're like, oh man, I, you know, I, I need to change. But th listen, there's so many benefits of this. Because when you move from self-confidence to God-confidence, it minimizes your anxiety and your fears. You're afraid because you're limited. <laughs> Your fears are based on the fact that you don't have enough. And when that network doesn't work out and your training doesn't work like you thought it was, you begin to lose confidence and you become afraid. Because your confidence isn't what you have more of. But what if we moved our confidence less from what we have to who we have? What if we started putting our confidence in God? You say, man, I, I want that confidence. I wanna, I wanna grow in my trust and belief and my confidence in God to work things out. In the Bible, in the book of Ephesians, there is this incredible point. It's called a doxology. It's this point, it's supposed to reach a crescendo. You know, it's this moment where there's almost like music in the background and it's like this, almost like a pep rally. And in Ephesians chapter three, there's this incredible moment where Paul says this, um, and he's saying it in light of the fact that 
Jews and Gentiles were placed in the same community and no one saw it coming. No one could ever believe it. And he was breaking it down and breaking it down and breaking it down and explaining it. And he's like, let me just, let me put it this way. I I know you never saw it, but here's the thing you have to understand about God. And can I just say this slow? I'm just going to say it slow because I want this to work in your heart now. Now. And so he, it's amazing, he says it, he says it in such a way where he is saying, I know what you have believed in the past about Jew and Gentile, but there's something different happening now. Now. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Now, if you just put that in a shell and in your mind and just think for a second, God can do better than your greatest dream. God is, you know, sometimes people say, well, don't treat God like a genie in a lamp. You know, he's not just about your wishes. God can do better than your wishes. If he was a genie in a lamp, he would do better than anything you've wished. He's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. My mind hasn't conceived it. My mouth hasn't even said it. He can do more than I've ever thought of. He can do more than I've dreamt of. He's bigger than my dreams. Now, everybody says amen to this part. God can do it. Oh, yes, he can. Yeah, God, yeah, I see God can do it. I know he can. He's so good. But it goes on to say, according to his power that works in us. It's one thing to believe God can do it, but do you believe he can do it through you? See, that's when things start to change. It's not enough to believe God can do anything. Can he do anything through you? Do you believe that the creator of the heavens and the earth lives inside of you? And do you believe that that unlimited power that he operates by lives in you? And so you stop living by your limitations and you start living by expectations based upon him. And you can live a life. Now you say, oh, but he may not do it. You're right. He may not do it. But even if he doesn't do it, it does not stop the fact that he can. And he just might. (laughs) He just might use you for the greatest dream you've had. He just might. You know, I posted on Facebook a while back. um, um, How many of you guys know about the Known Campaign? Praise God. The Known Campaign, we were able to celebrate. I can remember... I posted this, and people don't know the intensity of it. I can remember my wife was pregnant with our first child, and we actually went out to do a three-on-three basketball tournament with a whole group of people. We said, hey, we're all going to go and do this three-on-three basketball tournament, and it was the hottest day in Raleigh. It felt like the sun was right here. It was so hot. We were sweating. And so all the people that said they would show up didn't show up. My pregnant wife and I ran a three-on-three basketball tournament in the projects by ourselves. Now, mind you, I never played organized basketball, so I'm blowing whistles all wrong and stuff. And (laughs) This is the hood, so people, I don't know what might happen to my life. Things were going crazy, and I'm just like, you know, we we were giving out uh, gift cards that we had paid for ourselves, and we just wanted to make an impact. 
we wanted to make an impact. And we were like, God, we just so want you to show up. And God did show up. And he showed up by humbling me that day. And he humbled my heart. You see, because whether God did it or not, he was still good. And, and his message was still valuable enough to share in those projects on the hottest day of the year. And I look six years later, and I'm in New York City. And we do this known campaign, and we create these sweatshirts. And we create these sweatshirts, and I look up, and they're like, we're going to go pass them out. And it was the coldest day of the year. And I was in Alabama, in, in the warmth of Alabama, and I was uninvolved. <laughs> I was. I was in Alabama that day. It was, I was like, it's nice out to me, you know. And so it were, everybody was cold, and they were passing out sweatshirts. And I was like, this is crazy. I remember the hottest day of the year by myself with my pregnant wife. I got no help. It is the coldest day of the year. I am not helping at all, and God is doing things I could not imagine. And so what I am telling you is God is not limited to your dreams. He will go, I never saw myself in New York City. I never saw myself in New York City. It is not enough just to say amen to what God can do. Do you think he can do it through you? Do you think he can do it through you? And when you answer that, the real test is what you begin to think about. Well, you know, I, 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 be, I, I, do, some th I do some things. You don't know about Pastor. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do stuff you don't know about. God couldn't use me. God, God can't use me. God, God can't use me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you actually think God can't use you. And so while I'm talking, you're like, yeah, but not me, because I, pfft, man. And what I'm saying, so this is what we're saying. Jesus Christ died to leave me on the shelf. Did Christ die so that you would be unused? When a person places their faith in Christ, a transfer happens, an exchange happens. Christ, you take my life and I will be whoever you call me to be and do whatever you want me to do. And then Jesus says, well, you take my spirit, and now I will give you the ability to do whatever I'm calling you to do and whatever you need to be. An exchange happens. And so I wonder if today we can make a trade. Trade in your fears for joy. Trade in your anxiety for faith. Trade it in. And you say, well, based on what? Based on the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you that in the Old Testament there was a temple that he would dwell in. And that's the way you would say, there goes God, because he's in the temple. And the Bible says that temple is you now. You are his temple. And when God wants to make an impact, it's through his people. And all he asked for is surrender. I wonder um, if we could have the band come up real quick, the worship team. I wonder if we could just have a moment of surrender to our God. Just a moment of surrender. We're going to do communion here in a second. But we're not going to sing. I just want to have the music playing. You can come on up, Chris. And I just want, I wonder if we can have a moment. When I say the words repentance, some of you think, oh, snap. I, I, I was ready for that word. But think of repentance just in this way. 
Repentance is when you turn from your sin. I know you hear that part. And turn to God. You turn to God. Turn to him. Exchange self-confidence for God-confidence. Exchange your fears for incredible trust in him. I wonder if we could stand. I don't wonder if we could just lift up our hands real quick. Father, for those of us that have our hands lifted and are not able to get the words out, I know you see our hearts. Father, I pray that for each one of us, God, would you give us a a moment of surrender, Jesus? Could we surrender our fears to you? Surrender our sin to you? Surrender our ways to you? God, would you just give us that moment right now? And God, would you call men and women to turn from their ways and to turn to you? And God, let us lift our hands in a moment of surrender and surrendering all of our ways and choosing your way. God, I don't want to live by my confidence anymore. I want to be God confident. I want to be God confident. I want to be confident in the spirit. I want to be confident in trusting you. You can lift your, you can put your hands down if you want. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the one that believes they're not good enough. And I pray that they would place their trust and their faith in you, a freedom to trust in you, and a freedom to be who you're calling us to be. Give us God confidence. God confidence. God confidence. Give us God confidence. And God, would you fill our people in such a way where we know, we know and are certain that God is with us, that he is Emmanuel, that he is interceding on our behalf, that he will speak when I speak. God, would you do that in such a way where we know that you spoke? Would you bear fruit in this church? Bear much fruit, bear much fruit, God. Do those things we can't do on our own. Would you repeat after me, God, help me to do things in your power. God, move me from self-confidence to God-confidence. God, I want to make a trade. I want to make a trade. I want to make a trade to him who is able to do more, exceedingly more, more than I could ask, more than I could imagine. Do it through me. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise today. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at BridgeChurchNYC or visit our website, BridgeChurchNYC.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.